Welcome to The Big Deal with Glenn Ferris, episode 48. I'm Glenn Ferris, and today one of my favorite Dintonians has graced me with her presence. Jenna Duncan is on, and she is the digital editor for our local newspaper, the beloved Ditton Record Chronicle. DittonRC.com is the website. They have an e-edition that we talk about quite a bit. Uh, that is the e-edition of the daily paper that you can subscribe to for 99 cents a week. I can't believe that. For the price of a latte a month, you can get all the Ditton news that's fit to post. See what I did there? That is remarkable to me. That there's that level of professional, fact-driven information about our little city available right at our fingertips for under a dollar a week. That's amazing. Go to the website, sign up, subscribe. What a time to be alive. Information. There's so much information. There's the pandemic. There's the protests. The disintegration of the fabric of society. You're going to want to get the facts, so I highly recommend subscribing to the Denton Record Chronicle online. They go above and beyond the call of duty to report the facts, and let's face it, right now, the decisions that affect our family and our lives need to be made based on facts and the drc is the independent fact-based news source for our community it's very important that they exist adapt and thrive it's crucial to our community that they are successful in their mission so in this episode i dig deep with jen on big questions like why do we even need a local newspaper why is this important how are you not the fake news and most of all i give jenna my 100% unsolicited tips and suggestions on how to do her job. You'll want to listen for her reaction on that. DittonRC.com is the website. Sign up. And while you're there, mosey on over to GlennFerrisCommercial.com. Check out what I've got going on. Check out the other podcasts. Also available on any platform that has podcasts. It's a fun word to say. And uh, check out the Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Maybe not, though. Maybe now. Maybe this week. Maybe next week. Do a little less social media. You can get out in the real world. Say hi to me on the street. Um, it's, a, it's a good time to be friendly and kind. So, so keep doing that. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. Like and subscribe. Tell your friends. Share this with them. Text it to them. I just want to be here. Uh, to, to be helpful and useful at this time in our history as a city. Anyways, now give it up for my friend, Jenna Duncan. And we're live. <laughs> Yeah, that. So that's the, and you've you've heard an episode before. Mm-hmm. So I don't. Okay. Yeah. Some people say they have, but then they're like, No, I haven't. Yeah, I was listening to Monica's. My mom was real excited because she was like, I re- tell him I really liked the one with the guy from the bearded monk Ben. He just seems so fun. He's he is fun. <laughs> and it's like, of course, Ben's fun. We also had a six pack of high octane <laughs> IPAs. Uh, between that was a fun one the the ones where they bring presents and are in the evening are always kind of fun like tim for more mm-hmm. fun was 
that was three episodes worth of fun and all three episodes are great, but it's like, we went from like low medium to like high high is like all inhibitions are gone. We're just, what, what do you want to, what do you want to shit talk? Let's, yeah. Now's the time. <laughs> Let's do it. We did. We did everything. We did everything. We went through everything, every checklist we conquered that day. But so your mom likes it? Yeah, my mom is a fan. That's awesome. I know. Like and subscribe. <laughs> yeah, she was funny. She was talking about it last night. But you know, she's she's been in town now for like a year and a half. Yeah, didn't she live off industrial? Or she, she was... did. She was in one of those townhomes, but yeah. my grandma refuses to go um, because of the three stories. My grandma didn't want to go up and down the stairs. So you know, those are built to where you can put an elevator in them. Yes. So she hadn't bought it. She was leasing. And so instead she found um, a one-story house in our neighborhood that is more open concept, kind of the smaller bedrooms because it's an older home, but that's fine. It's just her. And so she has like her little office set up. And now, well, before COVID, grandma could come over for dinner once a week. <laughs> but she's been, yeah. We, I mean, she's in a nursing home, so it's just shut down. Yeah. Can't get her out? or nope. Yeah. Mm -mm. We can go to the window and call her on the cell phone and look at her through the window, but we haven't been able to, like, she hasn't been able to go for doctor's appointments or anything like that. How's she doing? Um, She's doing better. At first, she was just real lonely. I mean, she had just really, we, I can't, we put her in the nursing home from living with my aunt at the beginning of the year. And so this was all hitting right as she really like found her flow and like kind of had her friend group and like was the regular at bingo and kind of like had just figured out like living in this type of environment. And then then the wrench got thrown in. Yeah. yeah. And then all these things happened where, you know, they're spaced out in the dining room and they're not doing any activities. And oh, if you man. do go out for a doctor's appointment, you have to be quarantined in your room for 14 days. So oh. it's that sad. will that will kill you. Like yeah. not having hum human interaction, especially at that stage of life. I mean, you're. Yeah, she's you, 97. You may be avoiding the virus, but you're taking years off your life just from human interaction. And man, uh, so which, uh, which home is she at? She's at Brookdale South, which is only three miles from my work, which is great. Okay. I don't know um, that one, but. They've been so good through all of this and doing car parades and figuring out the window visits and things like that while protecting the health and safety since, you know, yeah, it's such a high-risk population. Yeah. So, so far, no cases uh, of staff or residents at her facility, so that's really good. But yeah, I don't know when. I mean, there's no way to predict when. When it's going to be normal. Yeah. Yeah. What is normal now? is the question I think we're all trying to figure out. Yeah. So, man, that's fascinating. And you became digital editor, editor that week, basically, from what I remember. Yeah, two weeks, it was, I, my first day was 10 days before our first confirmed COVID case. What day was that? Do you remember like the? My first day was March 3rd. Yeah. And the first COVID case was March 13th. Yeah. So did you know that that position was where you were headed for a while or was it like you had, a, what, what was the yeah, takeoff so time for I that? I can kind of start. So obviously Denton Record Chronicle has been in the community for 117 years. Um, Is that all? Yeah. <laughs> casual. No legacy <laughs> here or anything. And 
about a little over a year ago, Bill started really reconsidering how we do things. So for some background, we were part of AHB Low Company, which owned a, a lot more papers, but primarily by, you know, the mid-2000s was publishing Dallas Morning News, Us, and had a couple of other companies that were doing media stuff, trying to build a more cohesive media company. And then in 2018... But it was a consolidation, basically. Like, it was a company that started buying up uh, publications just Mm -hmm. to kind of expand their network, right? Yeah, and then everything just started contracting in the mid-2000s. So when I joined... Below in 2013, like they still owned a paper in Providence, Rhode Island, you know, just, Oh, stuff I didn't like know that. that. Oh, I thought they were like the, just the DFW area. They're, they're bigger. Well, yeah, they're publicly traded, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so okay. they did sell off that paper eventually, but 2018 hit and Bill was like, I feel like I want, you know, I want to change things. I want to be independent. So he bought back his family paper in yeah. 2018, which is pretty bold in 2018 to buy a legacy media company. I I, I remember when it happened, I was tweeting yeah. at Pointer trying to get coverage because I just thought that almo- was so yeah. unique. It's almost like starting a live journal. Yeah. Or a, a Zenga <laughs> page right now. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, but he bought it with the intention of it's not going to be what your traditional newspaper was. Like, think... It seems like he had a little bit of a plan that was not like this isn't just a normal newspaper. Yeah, he really wanted to start some new initiatives that he thought were good. And I, he started about a year, a little over a year ago, I think last November or November before last started considering we need to flip this on its head. Print is just not where we're growing. Yeah. We need to implement a paywall. Print's dead. I'm yeah. saying it. Sorry. Prince on life support <laughs> yeah, yeah. is what Bill is saying. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're, once we put up the paywall, digital subscriptions just ticked in a way that we haven't seen subscriptions rise in yeah. a long time. By April, we were outpacing digital to print subscriptions, 17 mm. to 1. Mm. And so November more, was yeah. the paywall. And then in at the end of January, we had a big company meeting about how we were going to switch to being this digital first organization. And a lot of pieces had been moving behind the scenes. And so that's when this restructure was announced that created um, the digital editor position that I now have. So so what is uh, editors different from you covered the business beat? Well, how is how is it different to become an editor? Um. Well, it's just a totally different job. Yeah. Which, you know, I love. Like you're not going business. out and reporting and finding no. stories and writing directly. You're- I'm writing for web occasionally. Like I, you know, the other day I talked to Hank about canceling 4th of July because I wanted it on web as soon as possible after Kiwanis had posted that they had to cancel what a 4th tragedy. of July at Apogee. I know. Yeah. 4th of July is my favorite holiday. Yeah, it is. It's fantastic. And this was our year to be in Denton. And do the whole Denton Fourth of July and the parade and everything, and it's like Fourth of July. You might as well cancel Christmas. Yeah, it's it's going to be tough. I'm used to going up and seeing my dad, so he's really bummed. Oh man! But you know, it it'll be okay. Okay, but yeah. So I'm still writing some of the time, but mainly what I'm doing is I'm trying to move the needle to where it 
we're thinking about our website and our e-edition first instead of what's going to be the centerpiece for print the next day. It's what do readers want now? How can we react on web? How can we get people's eyes on the stories that we're producing? And how can we have a better online experience for our customers? Mm-hmm. So it's just a different way of thinking. So I'm directing more content. So yeah. I'm like, hey, it looks, I just got a push notification about whether can somebody write, you know, something for web about if we're going to expect hail or not tonight, or, you know, mm. we just got a meeting notice that there's an emergency city council meeting. Can we get that on the website ASAP so that people know that that's happening and where we're reacting immediately to news and getting information out to people as soon as possible instead of kind of waiting until the end of the day to push everything out. Right. Because I mean, there's, that's the big difference. That's the dramatic difference is when you're printing the paper, the story needs to get edited for space, something like space, right? Uh, You have a little bit more leeway when it's digital and you can, you can update. You can have live updates if it's a developing thing. Say mm-hmm. this is the thing that's happening, and oh, and then this happened, and 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 keep that thread alive. Um, so what? When you're farming stories, what makes a story to you? Like what? What sort of things? Because I know what the paper does. A lot of it is public good. Mm-hmm. This is information that the public is interested in or needs to know. Yes. Right. What? So. Walk me kind of through how you decide what 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 is a story. Yeah, what's interesting about our organization is I think that we're very much reporter driven. We trust our reporters to be experts in their subject matter. And so they're the ones kind of in control of of what stories they're writing. Sometimes things pop that I need to assign, but most of the time it's reporters telling us what's going on in the niche communities that they're embedded in. So, like last night, Zyra Perez, our public safety reporter, saw that there is a social media post about a shooting. And so she, you know, immediately tweeted something. Where uh, was it? Let me see. Let me pull up the text. There's it was, been it was a, awful. But and here's, it was the, a here's rumor. the thing. Like, yeah, have you found, I mean, there's like, there's 10 rumors for every one actual thing that happened, right? Right. You got to be so chasing rumors like, down like constantly. Like crazy. And so this was at 10 p.m. last night. We got a text from someone saying um, that police and fire units were responding to someone firing shots into a house and hitting an eight-year-old. And that was on Facebook, in a Denton Facebook group. And so we called, and it was a prank call, just a cruel prank call. And so, you know, we put out, it's fake. This isn't real. But And the sad part is, is like, you mess up something like that once then you get the whole hashtag fake news we get that even when what we get that even, is yeah, true and we true. don't have any anonymous sources <laughs> that's true yeah <laughs> but i mean that's the real battle right now i mean you guys mm-hmm. are like the scapegoat for the nation's problems <laughs> yes according to leadership yes uh, that is so how do you deal with that how do you like what do you have a way out of that and i know that i mean that's a completely unfair question to ask but have you thought about it have like what's the what's the plan is there any plan of like this is how we overcome this as a as a local newspaper that is a public good i don't think that there's any set plan in place because everybody feels differently so there's no 
I mean, it's not like we have some public relations team trying to like buff our image and they're going to have all these deliverables to make people like us and trust us. But I think that the way that we build trust is by we report the truth and when something is incorrect, we immediately fix it. One thing that I think that people don't really recognize that distinguishes us from national outlets is the lack of anonymous sources. We use anonymous sources maybe twice a year. Maybe we put people's first and last names in everything because Hmm. we want people to trust that that's real and that's true. Whereas you're seeing, you know, if there's some tweets from our national leadership about how fake it is, the average Joe looks in and it's, you know, according to a senior policy advisor of the Trump administration. Right. And so I, I'm always quick to point out that distinction because you, if you're thinking that's fake, well, I understand the perception that people don't take media literacy classes. That's not part of our education system right now, unless you're bad. going to journalism school. Yeah. And so I can understand somebody looking at a Washington Post article, seeing no one's name in there except for somebody who is retired with a political consulting firm and just having all of these unnamed sources and being like, well, of course this is fake, but everything that we produce locally, you have first and last name title and where they work or how they're relevant to the story. You dox them. Yeah. (laughs) Every time, but to build that public trust. So that's one thing that I always like to point out, like, you can ask this person what their experience was like with us. We tell people we're not trying to trick anybody. We are always extremely straight up. We try to, you know, frame things in the way that they occur. Well, it's, it's a little bit of an uphill battle, I'm sure. And I I started to realize this as I became part of stories and, and, Every time I was part of a story or was witness to something that was being written about, well, 100% of the time, I would read it and think, that is not how I saw it. That's not what I, that's not what I saw. Like, the, mm-hmm. like they, they wrote facts down, but the framing is, like, not, not how I would have framed it. But mm-hmm. Of course, I'm, you know, that's my, that's my unbalanced bias, right? Mm-hmm. So, but I didn't realize... I had to like really think through that. And that's why I kind of always like wanted to, to talk with you. Like, Hey, mm-hmm. I can't always like, if I feel like that's the case 100% of the time, then it's probably my fault. So where am I not like, how am I, <laughs> you know, how am I not thinking about this or correctly? And that's why I started uh, having lunch with Scott parks. One of the coolest things I've ever done is hang out with him like he is, old school journalist. He, he has stories he, for yeah. days. Yeah, I'm like, okay, car rides noon. Like you're going to tell me that <laughs> like you're going to tell me the stories about when like you know, Dallas Morning News had like helicopters. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> and so he was like the he was like the the country reporter base and he would travel mm-hmm. and man and his dad was a uh, a journalist as well. And so, his mom. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And so he had all these stories and he said something to me one day. He was like, his dad used to come home and they'd ask him how work was. And his comment was always, we, we got, 
we got as close to the truth as we could. We're pretty sure we surrounded him. We didn't get to him, but you know, like, and and that's sort of like the perception of like he, as a journalist, you're writing as much truth as you can, knowing that there's always going to be you're you the writer and and there's the subject you're writing about there's no you'll never be the person Mm -hmm. you know and i think that's what i realized like oh my truth the way i see the way i frame the facts that's because i'm me that's because i'm in the middle of it and i've Mm -hmm. got it's your lived experience you can't write a documentary about me and put me like that's not no one cares about that like people care about the the framing from you know, not knowing. Yeah, it's the lived experience thing. So, no, but it's really helped me in the the conversations we've always had. Mm-hmm. Like, I love our, you know, our, uh, uh, I don't want to call them arguments, but, like, we, <laughs> we get into it over, like, I'm just like, hey, tell me where I'm wrong. Like, I yeah. want to know. I want to, like, figure this out. It's been a good education for me. So Good. I'm glad. I've appreciated you for that. Well, thanks. So. Yeah, it's one of those things where I'm happy to have these conversations with anyone at any time, as mm-hmm. are our reporters and just kind of explaining things. And I, I know that it's especially hard when you're really excited about something and you think it's like the best thing in the world and then you don't see it reflected in that way. Yeah. But that's kind of why we're here to be, right? This neutral third party. Yeah. How does this fit into the big picture of our community? Yeah. But also the other thing I noticed was every time a business owner would have an article written about them, they'd come to me and like, that's not what I said. I'm like, 100% of the time, no one feels like they were done justice. And I'm like, okay, there's something to that. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, and the other thing he kind of walked me through was like, we're all biased. We're humans. So we're going to talk about things on earth, <laughs> you know, things mm-hmm. that have to do with Denton. We're Dentonites. So we're going to talk about Denton. Uh, so that's bias. He's like, you can't get away from bias, but you can be balanced. You can have one side of the story, quotes from people. Other side of the story, quotes from people. Like, you don't want to be unbalanced. You want to be balanced. You can't get away from bias. I thought that was a pretty cool thing that he kind of walked me through. So, Yeah, but, he has he he's an interesting character who has a lot of really good experience and, you know, lived through and survived through a million transitions and oh, yeah. changes and... Yeah our industry because you know i started right as all of this was starting to shrink and you know it was i started i graduated college 2012 so that was right when the slide happened so i was like man okay at least i like am getting jobs in journalism when stuff is shrinking but community news has been cut in like half over the past six years yeah so many communities without papers and so and COVID has killed several yeah Several that were hanging on for dear life or because advertising went away. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're in a, we're facing what's going to be a depression and uh, there's no money to pay for ads. Yeah. And that's how you guys survive. Yeah. As a company, I think that, you know, going back to this digital transition that we were talking about, that hitting right at the same time as COVID kind of, I think, showed the community our value. In March, we had almost a million unique page views. Mm. which is a record for us. That's pretty big. And, you know, lots of new digital subscribers. And then in May, we started printing the paper twice a week. So we were able to really cut costs um, right as all of this was hitting, Mm -hmm. which we had kind of planned for. So 
we, I think that the transition has gone really well because people had been understanding our value and had really been relying on us for the local information instead of having to scroll through, you know, some or wait to watch, you know, on NBC five until when they eventually get to Denton County. It's like, no, we're here and we are reporting things as soon as they happen. Is, is there ever going to be any interest to go like full on digital guy with a talking head with a mic on the scene? I don't know. It's so easy to do now. Everyone on Twitter does it, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know if our reporters would ever be comfortable doing stand-ups. There's a reason none of us are in broadcast. Um, but, you know, right now... <laughs> they, get, they got faces for journalism. <laughs> yeah, we have we have our e-edition, which I think is going to be around for the next, you know, five, maybe ten years is what Bill's planning, just depending on demand. But it's an interactive paper we're still laying out a a paper every day it's just on your tablet or on your phone and it's a pdf and you can interact with stuff as stories get updated like as everything's Mm. been updated with protest stuff with three write-throughs of our main story last night Mm -hmm. and the last update was 12 30 a.m you still wake up at 3 a.m have what looks like a print paper but it's it's so it it was updated three hours prior Mm -hmm. and one of the things, too, that I'm really excited about with that product is that we've been able to add back a lot of the things that we've cut. Yeah. So we have TV listings again because we're not having to pay to print them. Mm. We have more puzzles and games. We have comics. circulars, comics. People were pissed when the comics left. Oh, my god! It was like revolt. What year was that? Probably. 2018. 18? Oh, wow. Maybe 2017. Yeah. Yep. People were pissed. That was... Yeah, but now there's even more comics than there were when that happened. So yeah, that's awesome. So that's kind of like our bridge gap mm-hmm. between our, our hardcore print subscribers and our digital only. And then there's this product kind of in the middle that showcases the best of both worlds. Yeah, there's something about that right now with, with digital media and emerging media is that the timing between when the content is created and when it gets released into the wild is crucial. Mm-hmm. And especially uh, post March thirteenth, because I found I, like for the podcast, I have you know weeks where I can get three interviews in. Well, that's three weeks of that's like almost a month's worth of content for me. But what I found was all the like once March thirteenth happened, everything I had in the chamber at that time is irrelevant. No one wants to hear us talk pre shut down yeah it's just like and it it sounds weird that i'd release something and we're not talking about the obvious meltdown of society that's occurring outside the window right so it's like completely irrelevant so i have now i'm on the schedule of like this one will probably go out later today or friday tomorrow morning because it's got to be relevant yeah because who knows what's going to happen in three days and that's where we're at yeah or even tonight Mm-hmm. Some jackwad's going to tweet something stupid again. And then we're all on like red alert for uh, violence, more violence, more destruction. Like that, that it's getting to the point where, <laughs> yeah, it's very stressful, but the timing of the media is like super important is what I found during this time. And so that's kind of what I'm hearing. If you updated a story at 1230 last night, it was probably something to do with downtown. Yes. Something to do with a possible protest yep. downtown. So 
so yeah, I mean, that's it's crazy because we've got this perfect storm for digital right now that you're in the middle of. Mm-hmm. What is going on with that? Has it been good? Have you seen an upsurge and like an uptick in, in viewers just even in the past couple of weeks with the, the intensity of what's happening right now? We definitely have. I think that there before um, the death of George Floyd, I think that there was kind of a lull. I think everybody was just so itching to get back to normal that people were kind of disengaging. And, you know, I get it. It's overwhelming. I have to consciously not do stuff after I get night notes. And I know that E-Edition has gone to bed. Like my husband takes my phone so that I'm just, I don't have screen time for a couple Mm -hmm. of hours a day. But it's been a lot to try to balance. Um, But so there was a a kind of news fatigue happening. Um, I would say at the end of, God, what month is it? Yeah, June. Just Yeah, I would say like the the latter half of May, we were starting to go back to kind of pre-COVID numbers, which were still good, but not the crazy surge that we were having. And now I think that there's a lot of attention. We've been getting also, we've been getting a lot more attention on Twitter Mm. just because that's where our reporters are doing live updates as they're covering these protests and gatherings. And I think a lot of people want to know what's happening as it's happening, even if they're not participating. Yeah. But, but what fuels that is so much misinformation. Like Mm -hmm. you just talked about the prank call, the, amount of phone calls and texts we've gotten since sunday you got to get off the square it's unsafe it's they're burning it down it's dangerous and i'm like it's not it just isn't and you know how i know because we're down here and i know like maybe i know hundreds of these people just like casually like Mm -hmm. it's gonna be okay it's good. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't feel dangerous. No one's throwing bricks. So. That makes me think of. Did you see Megan McCain's tweet yesterday? No. Megan McCain tweeted about how outside. I don't of her, follow her. Believe it or not. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, she had tweeted <laughs> that outside of her apartment in Manhattan looked like oh, a I, quote, okay. I did see that. Yeah, okay, yeah. And then it got quote tweeted by an SNL writer who lives in her building, and it mm-hmm. says. Megan, I am looking out the window and everything is fine. And then Megan had to step back and be like, yeah, I'm not even in Manhattan. Oh, what? Yeah. So, <laughs> but that's, that, that is a problem. That's happening in communities across the country. You're seeing that. But people can't differentiate between, oh, I heard somebody. I, and, and you always, it's always presented as, I know the person who saw this. And it's like. No, someone's making stuff up, which is real easy, mm-hmm. but you can't count on that. I mean, people are like, you've got a newborn downtown. How could you, how could you put your whole family in danger? And I'm like, actually, it's pretty sad. We like, we have a fire extinguisher. Worst case scenario, we got to use that and leave, but we're, we'll be okay. You know, it's just crazy. And probably the most disappointing thing is when somebody tweets something and then it gets picked up by mm-hmm. a you know, titled, you know, organization. And then it becomes, and then like legitimate news sources use that as a source. And it's like, that's not, that doesn't seem good. Doesn't seem good for us as a, as a community. So, but you guys, obviously, I mean, you try to stay away from that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we are not in the the business of misinformation and we don't ever want to contribute to any false narratives with these protests we're having 
two reporters on the ground at each one. So somebody is in it and somebody is looking at the outside of it so that we have all perspectives covered, as well as our photojournalist, Jeff Wu, who is incredible at what he does and is really situationally aware. So he's going back and forth between in and out. And, you know, we're so well sourced with our local Mm -hmm. law enforcement that we're, you know, able to really push out only good information, things that we can confirm, things that we see and experience, and that's what we're telling people. Yeah. And that's the only stuff that we are putting into our reporting and the only stuff that we are putting on our social media feeds because yeah, I don't want to ever be, as a digital editor, be like one of the digital producers for like a TV news organization that will write a quick post off of a tweet and then you find out a day later that that tweet isn't true. Teams we're never going to yeah. we're never going to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's just not how we function and that would devalue us and we are mm-hmm. really valuable. I mm-hmm. almost said a bad word. We are <laughs> really valuable to I this community. I put the community. explicit on all my things so <laughs> feel free. No, you are and I think that's the you mentioned like media education, mm-hmm, media literacy. Yeah, media literacy. That's the word. People need to understand the difference between the news and the opinion. And then, like, just people talking crazy on Twitter, there's a difference there. And oftentimes, what you're doing, the news is oftentimes very boring and dry. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty interesting right now, but if you're, you know, like the, the, you don't see any rage tweeting at the PBS news hour, right? Yeah. Because they're just sort of, or NPR doesn't get a lot of like outrage comments. Ari right? Shapiro does get some pretty funny postcards, but that's just because I follow him on Instagram and every now and then it, somebody will write in about how they hate his voice. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, he's Ari Shapiro. Be nice to him. He that, is like a national treasure. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. That's real funny. <laughs> Man, what about, what a time to be alive though. What a time to be downtown. I mean, they're yeah. shutting the streets down. Yeah. I love it actually. It's kind of nice. I didn't know it was so easy to just shut down traffic downtown. We should do this more on. We should do this on a weekend. Have community market in the street and just shut it down, and it'd be awesome. It's, yeah, it's so very, safe. It's the Times Square approach. It's great. Let's put all the like the, all the restaurant seating outside, so so people can't be all crammed in a restaurant. But That's, where would they park, Gwen? They can walk. Apparently, can, can they? There are thousands of people protesting. That they got there somehow. Somehow what they're doing is important enough that they figured out how to get there with no parking. Yeah, I remember we've had this conversation so many times, but not on a podcast. But I'm like, if you can park on Sycamore and walk up for holiday lighting, you can do that to get a burger on a Saturday afternoon. And you're and when they shut down the the square, it's so much nicer. It feels so safe. Mm -hmm. There's so much space. I mean, it feels great downtown right now, actually. We've created this really cool little community of like public square, uh, public safety, and like the business owners are like, how can we help? Like seriously, yeah. like the, the uh, West Oak is always out there with water. Like, hey guys, stay hydrated. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like it's awesome. It's so good to see. But you know, the perspective of you know, if you're in your suburb, like following the tweets, it's like. 
the National Guard has been called and they're about to tear gas. It's like, okay, like slow down. It's not yeah. actually happening. So. Yeah, that's really why we're trying to focus on having those two reporters there because it can be hard when you're at the front of the protest line with the people who are most passionate. It seems really intense. It can yeah. be hard to people get yelling, the perspective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, our strategy has you know, yeah. just been to be as safe as possible and keep our people safe while telling the truth of what is occurring in our town. Yeah, and people... Like every day we know when the shift changes on inside the courthouse with the sheriff and it's like, man, a bunch of heavy guns and sniper looking dudes and like night vision goggles. All They all switch out and we like me and Cody will sit there and watch him because uh, it's usually right when I get back from my run. We'll, we'll kind of catch up north side and people take pictures like they're planning to kill us. To, you know, people get so angry. But I'm, in my head, it's like, well, prepare for the worst hope for the best like that's literally their job is keep if it comes to like okay like people are burning things down that's what they're there for but that's not happening right now there hasn't been that's any not happening there's been a little bit of spray paint on the war memorial wrong i would say a wrong memorial to spray paint but on the the big uh corner marble pit yeah, and, the and they cleaned it up the next day and that's not the first time that thing's been spray painted like, yeah yeah, once we and that's one of the things that we're working really hard on too right now. And part of the benefit of being kind of digital first is we saw that initial post on Reddit on Monday where people were angsting because they were seeing all these big black duffel bags being carried into the courthouse. And so before the protest started, we had seen that Chief Dixon Dixon had tweeted a pledge to not use any escalation tactics. And yeah. so Well somebody asked him directly, Yeah, are you gonna tear gas us? Are you gonna and he his reply was no ma'am. No ma'am. And then so we were like, Okay, let's call the sheriff. Frank is legit. We <laughs> called the sheriff. I love that guy. He called back in like three minutes yeah. and he was like, Where we those bags are right here just in case we are going to be in our normal uniforms, we are not going to do escalation tactics either. Yeah. And so we were able to have those conversations in the middle of the day and then push that out to social media to say. As a public service. As a public service to say, if you are going tonight, like this is what the leaders of the law enforcement on the ground are are saying for the day. So freaking important. So so people are on Reddit angsting about what's in the duffel bags. We're there to make the call and say what's in the duffel bags. And then we report it and we can stop those rumors as they're occurring by just putting forward what the truth is and letting people know. Yeah. What makes Denton so weird? Cause we're, if you look at everything else that's happening, mm-hmm. that's not happening everywhere else. Denton's a weird little, weird little corner of the universe where like we actually communicate and we have good, we just have good people. What, what is it? What is it about Denton? I feel like that's a good question, but I don't, know how to answer it well i'll, I'll give you my answer i'll ask the question <laughs> yeah, that i want to get let's hear asked. what you see i think that there is a unity about denton people are very denton proud we're pretty scrappy but there's also the sense of if i burn this down i'm burning something of mine down this is it's not me versus them it's not me versus the authorities or me versus council it's it's us it's us versus us like why would you why would you hurt your own community you know Mm -hmm. 
it's very communal as as and, and that's why I've always been very careful about the people who are trying to tear the community up and then throw the metaphorical bricks. Those people I'm like not here. Like you mm-hmm. can go to any other place in America and spew your hatred brick throwing ways at people. Not in Denton. Like we're we're in this together because if something goes bad here, we all feel it. Case in point, mini mall burns down. I'm not a fan of the mini mall. I hate that we had two of them. Not a fan. But I took it as a personal loss when that thing burned down. I took it as a personal loss when Joey couldn't be open for a year, when the courthouse was closed down. Yeah, I saw you cry when Jupiter House was reopening. I did. Well, that was because my wife. So my wife worked for Joey for a year. That's how I met her. We met at Jupiter House. And so you're going to make me tear up right now. So. There was a moment when they opened up and everyone was hugging and my wife starts bawling because she's a crier. Oh, yeah. Alice she, is a crier. <laughs> she can't keep it together. I get I got a little misty because of that. So you're right. You saw me cry. <laughs> now I'm getting a little misty house. because I remember how emotional she was and how excited she was. And we were all there together. Yeah. we. Yeah. And then I was there to report the story. Yeah. Which, yeah. It was a beautiful thing. That but, was so cool when they reopened. But God, was that hard when they were not. Tough. It's a... And even... Even seeing the town get ripped apart from the fracking ordeal, it going through that hurt personally. There was no winners. Like, I feel like we all lost that one. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. even the winners lost. the. But the, the tearing of the community feels personal here, you know. Yeah. And I, I don't, I think when you get into a big city and, you know, I've lived in in Boston, we can talk about, we should probably talk about that at some point, but you're so, so anonymous. And that's a great thing. That's a great thing about a city is you can just freaking go do your thing intensely and you're completely, you don't know who who's around you. You have small pockets of community, but you're not, you can't just call the police chief of Boston up and say, Hey, can you let me know if it looks like my house is about to burn down? Like, just text me, you know. Mm-hmm. There's not that, like, community aspect yeah. in, in those big cities. Or actually, you know, I grew up in a, a suburb of Houston, Spring, Texas. And it's like I had where I lived, where I went to school, where we did groceries, and then church. And I didn't know what was in between any of those places. I just knew those little islands uh, even though it was about the size of Denton at the time, I didn't know anything about my city, and I wasn't one like it w- wasn't built like that. It was built. I had little little bitty walled off villages that I went to inside my community. So a little anonymous there. Here, I know what the concrete and the houses look like between here and Kroger. You know, I know that. I know those places. I know mm-hmm. who I'm going to see on the way. I. You know, living downtown has been like that. I know like when we walk to Loco Cafe for breakfast on Saturday, we're going to walk by the post office. We're going to see this. We're going to see that. There's these familiar things that I don't want to see those things go away or get hurt or be harmed. Or you know, I don't want to see injustice yeah. happen. So that's my answer. I don't know if that's a good answer, but something I think about a lot because you've lived several places. Yeah, Denton's weird. It's weird in a in a good way. It I is. Mean, so, um, but so you went to school at Northeastern. Yes. Yes. Nailed it. Good job. Whew. 
and that's good memory and i did this amount of research <laughs> for today normally i have like half a page but today i was like oh. i don't know you've also just known me for a long time yeah th- there's that i just wrote college down <laughs> northeastern so where is northeastern northeastern university is in boston massachusetts such a great city the best city what made you go there um so i a lot of things so first of all like it was always really ingrained in me that like college is the most important thing neither of my parents had four-year degrees so it was always like that's what's happening like the summer of my before my junior year of high school i had to do a powerpoint presentation on the 20 colleges that i would apply to (laughs) (laughs) before i was allowed to do sleepovers for the summer (laughs) a literal powerpoint presentation in our media room um how long did it last was it like like, it was like half an hour because it's 20 slides and i had to say like how the colleges were ranked how likely it was that i would get in so i had to have like my safety schools like what i wanted and then like my reach schools Um, before you could have sleepovers yeah (laughs) so that i would know what i needed to get on my psat to be able to get all the you know all the things well well, where'd you grow up real quick um flower mound so okay okay mostly flower mound but i was kind of all over before that i was in connecticut and plano then i did middle school and most of high school in flower mound and then we were traveled even though you grew up suburban you were traveled and you knew there was a bigger world out there Mm -hmm. and so we moved to new jersey my senior year of high school which Hmm. was brutal do not recommend moving there's some pretty parts in new jersey the garden state the garden parts are nice i will (laughs) i've only been back once and it was for a bachelorette party and i was like this is how much i love you i'm willing (laughs) to step foot in new jersey yeah it Um, gets rough like when you get out of the garden it's not good yeah it's about the opposite of <laughs> and, garden you can imagine i mean it was fine trenton. um oh my gosh trenton I, is rough yeah Ooh. trenton's rough canvin's rough mm-hmm. but then princeton really beautiful princeton is really beautiful yeah. so one of so i was up there and that kind of upended a lot of things because i no longer qualified for in-state tuition anywhere because we moved my senior year um, so i was like well might as well just yeah. go, go for what i want um go for it I knew I wanted to do journalism. And so I had like two top picks. At the time, my childhood best friend was um, in school in Boston as well. And so I had visited her a few times and I just really liked the vibe. I was between going to school in Boston and New York, but growing up, so I'm, I was born in Connecticut. My dad still lives in Connecticut, but I'd been going into the city my whole life. What's that city? White Horse or... Uh... What's the city he lives in? He lives in Greenwich, Connecticut. Greenwich. Oh, why don't I think? Anyways. It, yeah, he lives yeah. in Greenwich, Connecticut. It's like the express train to New York City is 50 minutes. It's awesome. And a mile and a half from his house. It's like where Don Draper lived or something. Yeah, there's... Maybe. Yeah, no, Greenwich is where like Tom Brady just moved and Regis Philbin and it's Tommy Hilfiger. It's a whole thing. We're not from that side of Greenwich. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have like a 2,300 square foot house. It's not um, that Greenwich. Yeah. It's a but, whole other world than Flower Mound, though. Yeah, totally different world than Flower Mound. Um, but so I had known that I wanted to be back in the Northeast. And so it was kind of between Boston and New York. Um, and I was like, I wanted the hands-on experience. I was good at school, but I didn't want to just do classes. And Northeastern is weird and has this co-op program. So you do 
one semester of classes. You do like six months of classes and then you work for six months and it's like paid internships, Mm. but it's called the co-op program. And so I got in and got a scholarship and then I went to orientation and have you seen spotlight? No. (sighs) Jeez, Glenn. Sorry. So Robbie, um, Walter Robinson, um, who's played by Michael Keaton in Spotlight, um, and is one of the most highly regarded investigative journalists in the country with multiple Pulitzers. He's the one who was the lead on the Catholic abuse scandal for the Boston Boston Globe. Globe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, I would like this movie. I bet I would like this. I love it. I have it on DVD. I'll let you borrow it. I don't have a DVD. (laughs) What are you? Golly, what is this, the 90s? Okay. Is well, it on Netflix? That's all I need. No, I'll, I'll figure it I out. I think it is. I can but figure so, out how to, um, Robbie yeah. was the orientation lead and he was like, I do an investigative reporting class where our story is always on the front page of the Boston Globe at the end of the semester. If you get a co-op at the Boston Globe, you get paid like a real person and you will get at least 50 bylines. Huh. And I was like, sold. Yeah. in. that's what I want to do. In. And so that's what I did. So what made you want to get into journalism when you were high schooler at flower mound i have no idea because <laughs> you said you you said that you knew you wanted to do that mm-hmm. you had a mission early which i think i wish i had a mission that early i was like i don't know for a long time uh, but you had a purpose you yeah. have no idea where like did you do your book um i took like a journalism class as an exploratory thing and i had always loved writing and telling stories and i was like yeah this is yeah, a yeah. super practical way to do that and yeah. i'm just nosy so i get to just call people <laughs> and confirm. ask people questions yeah it's great and then have fun writing down what they say yeah and so i took a journalism class loved it did newspaper and was just like yep this is what i want to keep doing and then you find yourself at the boston globe yeah what was that like it was great i mean it was such a good learning experience it was really fast we had like the co-op desk where we were like in the middle of the metro section so we're surrounded by all of the metro editors and the breaking then like the breaking news reporters and then it was a real real newsroom yeah where was the office that was when the office was still in dorchester the Mm. we the globe has since moved to downtown but at the time when i was at the globe which was like downtown downtown like fanwell mm -hmm. hall yeah yeah um, so when I was there, which was January to July, 2011, and then I still freelanced and like did random shifts. I just did anything I could to stay in the building. Like I, I did like phone switchboard shifts yeah. after I finished my co-op because I just wanted to be there. Yeah. And it Got was, the bug. Yeah. Did you uncover any government waste or like the big dig was done by then, right? Yeah. Big dig was done by then. Yeah. Um, I mean, I contributed on some cool <laughs> projects. Uh, my most read thing was about a shark spotting off of the Cape. So, you know. <laughs> That's awesome. Hard-hitting hard stuff. Hard-hitting stuff. <laughs> really made a difference in Boston. <laughs> hey, you know what? Oh. I was writing for web even then. Um, but yeah, so it was just, we were in Dorchester in like the main legacy building that you will see in Spotlight. They actually filmed Spotlight at the Globe and it had the printing press. And so one of the best things was um, when you did like the night shifts, I sw- after I did my call-up, I switched to the Sunday night shift is you would go down and you would walk across the building to the press run and get the first run 
of the paper and bring it up and give it to the copy desk. And then they immediately start copy editing to make sure there's no mistakes for the second and third editions. Mm. So it was really cool to be in a building that was like all in one Mm. and also just an intense learning experience. Mm -hmm. Very hands-on and yeah. That's awesome. And man, Boston, what a great city. So much fun. Yeah. You were just down the street Mm -hmm. since you were Berkeley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I we were Which all is, in the Berkeley scene, and that was like there's a I can't remember the name of the street Boylston, Boylston. maybe like right right down from uh, Copley Square, mm-hmm. just toward Fenway, but yeah, not Boylston quite the Fenway. and Massab. Yeah, Massab. That's right in Newberry. I'll never forget the way I got the bug. I was dating a girl that was going to Skidmore College, mm-hmm. and we met up and hung out in Boston and I took the trainer. No, I flew in, met her in Albany. And then we took the train in and you know, it was like, what was it? must've been like 1998 little Glenn Ferris comes out of the little subway right on Newberry street on a Friday. And this is like, I had never really been to a big city before. It's my first big city experience. And we got out and there's all those brownstones that are shops and it's packed and they're taxis. I was, I was hooked. I was like, I'm going to live here someday. I'm going to, this is where I'm going to be. I'm going to do the musician thing. I'll never forget it. Like never forget it. It was awesome. Like just always made trips up there met some folks, got an opportunity to live with a bunch of great musicians and just cut my teeth on the music thing up there. And worked in Newtonville, which is a great little town. You know Newtonville? Oh, yeah. I know Newton and Newtonville. Yeah. One of my um, best friends graduated from Newton High School. And then I also just had some friends from college that just bought their first home in Newton. It's a cute little village. Expensive. Waltham is nice. Watch City. Watch Factory out there. We used to go over there quite a bit. Um, But, yeah, man, I love the Northeast. We we did our honeymoon up there. It was Cape Ann. We did Boston, and then we did Gloucester, and then went up to Cape Ann. And, Gloucester. Yeah, and then uh, ate lobster from the lobster pool. A little, oh, so great. I love it. I love it, too. I need to go Man, back. I'm bummed. I'm supposed to be there right now. You are? Mm-hmm. My you, college roommate was supposed to get married tomorrow. You don't want to fly right now. Flying is like... Yeah, no. Like, going to Kroger is gnarly. Shopping for avocados is scary. Like, you want to be on a plane with these people? Yeah, so they postponed no, the you. wedding. So they were supposed to get married tomorrow. They moved it a year. And then we were supposed to be up in Newburyport for a wedding in August. And that got pushed a year, too. So mm. I'm kind of bummed because there's no better time to be in Boston than the summer. I know. I so, have such yeah. good memories. Fourth of July in Boston is intense. So crazy intense. at the show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just like the whole city is like... That and the Boston Marathon are the two just like, wow. Like, you can shut a city down yeah. to celebrate something. Um, Marathon Monday is crazy. Yeah, it's a big, I mean, no one goes to work. It's a national holiday for them. Mm-hmm. I wish we could do something like that in Denton, just shut it down. Yeah, and we say, should. Yeah, we're doing something. We're doing this thing. It's the, it's the thing we're doing. Doesn't need to be a weekend. Just, just what we're doing. So. So when did you get to then from there? How how'd you get here? By way of <laughs> how many stops did you make on the way to Denton? I threw a dart at the board, so that's how I got here. Did you really? 
So yeah, my boss and roommates were they were moving to LA. They all graduated Berkeley and mm-hmm. they were like film composers and they were like, "Yeah, we're going to go do our thing in LA. Want to come?" And I was like, "I've been I've worked in LA a couple of times with touring bands and I was like, not my scene. I can't I can't do it. Just drop me off somewhere uh near Texas and I'll figure it out from there." And they were like, "Well, we heard of this really there's this really great jazz school in this small town. Seems like there'd be something happening and there do you want us to take you there and i'm like sounds good drop me off so that's how i got here suitcase guitar like nothing like knew one person here the drummer from my band in high school was a photography student at unt andy patterson and i I slept on his couch like one night got a job at jimmy john's the next day met some folks that needed a roommate my very first shift, like on a smoke break out on Fry Street. And I was like, this is easy. And my rent is like <laughs> nothing, uh, an eighth of what it was uh, last month. It was like, this is simple. Yeah. This is easy. And then a lot of music. And then I got really involved with the music industry here and booked Haley's and uh, Dan Silverleaf and playing. Rest is history. That's what I'm here. But literally... Sounds good. Take me there. Drop me off. How'd you get here? Um, well, when I was in Flyer Mound, we would come up here to like hang out and like That was like the cool place. Yeah, it was the cool place. Yeah. Like we would come and go to rubber gloves. Smoke cloves. <laughs> I won't say. I won't confirm or deny. I'm just But yeah, go to the cloves. go to the basement, go to Is that rubber even a gloves. Thing anymore? Um, Smoke cloves. I don't know. I'm not. The basement was a thing. Yeah, the basement was a big thing. Yeah, all ages thing. Mm -hmm. And so going to shows and stuff like that. And then. Jimmy World cover band type things, maybe. I'm trying to place it. What year was that? That was, I was main, I mainly started coming here in 2006, 2007. So like Death Cab type stuff, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah. I was very like into the emo, mm-hmm. like indie rock. I was like discovering all these things and then there were just all these cool shows that were happening here fallout boy yeah mm-hmm. all those things and so um we moved to new jersey obviously went to college out of school i was like oh, okay i'll just like keep freelancing at the globe and i realized that that wasn't sustainable to pay boston rent and so i just started interviewing for jobs and i wound up at a small paper in east texas the houston county courier Serving a county, Houston County, which is population like. But that's not where Houston is. Houston's nope. in Harris County. <laughs> yep. This is Crockett, Texas is where I lived. Yeah. The Piney buzzing Woods. population of 8,000 people. Crockett. Um, and mm. I was there for nine oh, yeah. months. And yeah. then I. Lightning Hopkins, though. There's a statue of Lightning Hopkins yes. downtown in Crockett, Texas. Yep. Yep. So. That's where I was. And that was a transition from Boston to Crockett. <laughs> what sort of news came out of Crockett? What, were you ta- what sort of story was it? Well, I was the only news reporter. There's, so, a, de- there's a dead animal on this road. Got to go get it. No, thank God. <laughs> um, I was covering all the school boards, covering um, county commissioners, and then the hospital district. Because at the time, the hospital district, you know, rural hospitals are hurting so bad right now. And those signs were starting to show in 2012. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. doing a lot of reporting on that. Oh. Um, a tornado came through on Christmas that I did a lot of coverage for. Oh, cool. Um, but my boss was crazy. Yeah. So it was when she she would know that I was coming to Denton to see a boyfriend or going to my aunt's in um 
rock wall to see my family, to see my my grandma and my aunt. And she wouldn't, if she found out that I had weekend plans to leave, she would give me assignments for Saturday for you. Yeah. Create things for me to do so that I couldn't do that. And then I think she noticed that I was getting the itch to leave and she was like taking my byline off of story. So I wouldn't have clips um, to apply for other jobs. That's crazy. And so I quit and moved in with um, my boyfriend at the time. I I was there for nine months. Okay. So you were there like, okay, I got to get some real world, but I'm out of here as soon as I can get out of here. Yeah. And so I had applied, I had seen um, about a month before I quit, I had seen the posting for the DRC and I had had a couple of preliminary interviews and I just could not get to Denton to do an interview. Yeah. And I was like, well, I lost that opportunity. And I was like, whatever, I would rather just go move in with my grandma or my boyfriend and try to do like a crime beat blog while I try to, you know, find another job and get all my feet somewhere. That's a little bit better. Yeah. So got here, walked in. I I packed up a U-Haul. I quit on a Friday, packed up a U-Haul Saturday and drove it. Nice. Um, unloaded it Sunday, Monday morning. I went to the print shop on Hickory and Fry, uh-huh. printed out my resume and clips, and then walked into the DRC office on Monday and said, is that job still available? He like slammed <laughs> it down. Yeah. And here I am. Apparently they had made Didn't an offer, but it. then somebody did not pass a background check. Whoops. And so I wound up interviewing for four hours and got an offer the next day. So who was at the DRC at that time? Who were some of the big writers? Um, so Don Cobb was the editor at the time. Oh yeah. Um, Karina was, That's right. Karina Ramirez was heading our business coverage. And I, when I started, she was really helped me get my feet on the ground and my footing. Um, Brittany Tabor. Yeah. Brittany. Mm-hmm. Brittany was great. Um, BJ Lewis was BJ. doing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, lots of stuff. And then of course, Peggy, who's powerhouse. And mm-hmm. that was when. We had David Mitten and Al Key were our photo and video team. and I saw Al Key yesterday taking pictures. Yeah, he's Al still Pino. doing photos for us now. But so. What a great team, man. That, like, that was the. I mean, in my head, that's kind of the heyday. That was a little bit of a heyday for DRC. There was a lot going on. There was a lot of. Th- there was some controversy around those years as well that I remember being interested in not knowing anything coming into it. It was, it was interesting, but that w- I think what's interesting about your placement there is you got in at a time where there's been several transitions into what you're doing now. How did mm-hmm. you get to the business beat? So I got hired in as higher education and then doing some feature business writing. Cause at the time we had a separate publication called the Dutton business Chronicle that was mailed out separately and a separate subscription and like a tab um and kind of an anthology so i was helping put that together yeah and then um newsrooms across the country you know just kind of gradually shift karina had a really great opportunity um she is um spanish speaking like an original spanish language speaker and so she had an opportunity to go write for one of the historic like all spanish um papers in dallas and so she took that opportunity Mm. and so it was like okay well I can take on some of the business stuff and I wound up working that the business and higher ed beats kind of work together. And so we kept it that way. I kind of informally became the business editor when um, Scott Parks came in 
And he was like, hey, what's this business chronicle thing? I don't want to deal with it. Can you handle it? And I was like, give me the title and I can handle it. <laughs> and yeah. so um, I went ahead and took on overseeing that publication. And then that's kind of, that was in 2014. And so that's kind of what I've been doing up until now. Did you want to do the business higher ed stuff? Was, is that, is that your first interest or are you like anything? I'll, I'll write on anything. What's like, what really jazzes you to write about? I'll kind of write about anything. I was much more of like a general assignments. Like I was kind of feeling that burnout from, um, breaking news. Yeah. Like the, the cycle of breaking news is just really stressful. It's hard to do that for several years. So what makes it hard? You're just on call constantly. I mean, you're writing about people getting murdered and dying and it's rough. You're hitting people on their worst day. You're hitting people on their worst day. Mm -hmm. Like I remember the first time that it really hit me that like, I can't do just general assignment and breaking news constantly was July 4th, 2011 in Boston. And an 18 year old girl was murdered by her boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And I went out and I was waiting for the press conference to start and the chief just was not coming out. And so my editor was like, we found the address, go to the address of the family. Mm. And so they were like the video, like the photographer videographer will let you know if the press conference is starting, it can record it and send you the audio. So I was like, okay. So I go and her dad opens the door and is crying. And he was like, I'm sorry. I know everybody's waiting out there for me. I just, can't give the chief the okay. And I sat in their living room with pictures surrounded of her. She was going to go to Emory University mm. and her family is just sobbing and I'm sitting there and, you know, I left and I was like, she's only a few years younger than me. Like this is, mm. this is heavy. And then, you know, as I'm sitting there with this grieving family, TV news is on the doorstep with their cameras in their face. And I just, seeing how TV news treats people grieving was a wake up call for me. And then also I was like, I don't know if I can emotionally endure being in situations like this for my entire career. Yeah. You got to be on that side of it. Yeah. Like you got the glimpse of like, you know, how does this, how does this feel on, on the subject side? Yeah. Man. So hmm. that was really instructive for me, but so I, I didn't really, I kind of wanted to do investigative stuff, but I wasn't really sure how. And then I was really intrigued by web writing and I yeah. was just kind of interested in everything. I kind of like it all. And that's why I'm happy to be in this editor role where I can kind of turn on my brain for all different kinds of story ideas and not just ones that impact business and higher education. What's your favorite? Not fate. That's probably a bad way to, to, <laughs> to put that question. What sort of publications are out right now that you look at and you say, man, that's that's a cool way of doing that? Like, what kind of inspires you? Um, I've been really inspired recently by the 19th. Have you heard of them? No, I've not heard of that. I'm gonna write okay. That Spotlight on the 19th. Yeah, so okay. the 19th is a woman-owned publication that is a new national media organization out mm -hmm. of Austin, started by um, the former CEO of Texas Tribune, Emily Ramshaw. Hell Yeah. It's I'm into it. I'm down. Amazing. So the whole point is Oh, is that why she left? Mm-hmm. To do this. Yeah. How did 19th. I not I knew she left, but I did not know 
it's a right. completely women-led team and oh, they oh, are looking at the intersection of gender and women's issues oh. with so some of the jobs listings that they had were women in the economy so all the un, all undocumented labor of women oh you need the key oh can you see her there you go you're, you're fine good, you're good that's abby she's awesome <laughs> thanks abby so um but yeah so the 19th is really interesting um hmm. with kind of how they're looking at the world right now i'm really inspired by that um i'm really intrigued by new york times style section right now they just hired on a, um some new internet culture reporters and i'm just really mm-hmm. intrigued by that also have you heard of mel magazine Mm-mm. mel magazine is not what you'd expect me to be <laughs> endorsing it's kind of an offshoot magazine but it's just all these random things that you're curious about on the internet mm-hmm. so like one of my favorite stories that they did was people's favorite things from trader joe's that have been discontinued and how trader joe loyalists there's hundreds of people who are emailing the company like weekly and daily trying to get some of the specialty products revived that's crazy i know i like stuff like that i love weird it's it's weird culture yeah yeah it's very like it's very new age the way that they write and they source is really interesting it's a style that i would normally hate but because of the content that they're doing, yeah, it works. And yeah. so it's just a really like new way of doing things and is a lot of food for thought about how we can find things that interest a wide range of people but are like weirdly specific. Content is king is what we used to say in the biz. Also find a niche and scratch it is the other thing we used to say. <laughs> so so that that type of content it kind of reminds me of pizza rat happens we mm-hmm. all know pizza rat yes such a weird anomaly that happened but then there's the guy that uncovers how we got pizza rat it's not what you think have you have you gone down the pizza rat rabbit hole i did forever ago and i just don't remember because that like, was stu- a while ago but yeah, yeah stuff like that i'm just like oh my gosh so one of the things I'm real interested in right now is uh, BuzzFeed just did a like t- like 20, a list of like 20 or 30 fake news items and where they came, not fake news, but like rumors from the protests yes. that have come out and where they come from and how they're disproven, which I think is really interesting to do. I man, I would love to see something like that from DRC. Like this is the rumor that was started it's not true this is the twitter account it you know that it came from or whatever however that works out you know and we talked to the to the person that said no that's not true you know just like a yeah fact check the internet you know become the fact checker become the become the sort i'm very interested in that i love hearing yeah what's not real you know that's a uh like reporting on the internet you know is what you're doing yeah definitely and we're looking to do more of that um And with this pandemic and everything going on, we've had a lot of opportunities to kind of be like, okay, what information do people need right now? Mm -hmm. And so it was like, people need to know where and when they can go to the grocery store. Mm -hmm. So let's make, you know, something for the website that says, these are Kroger's hours. These are the senior shopping hours. Mm -hmm. This is what they're doing to protect your safety and just going through every grocery store in town Mm -hmm. with what they were doing so that, because, People were panicking that they couldn't find food. Yeah. So how do we answer that and set some truth and 
help our community feel a sense of security um, and have good information to make decisions about their lives. So we're really looking at all these new ways and presentations and types of posts that we could be doing to better further just understanding of what's happening around us. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of opportunity to, to, to do good, right? With it, with as much bad and negative things that are happening right now, if your organization can look at them and say, good, this will make us better in this way. This will give us a better opportunity to build rapport, to, to get out there and get, provide good information, you know, uh, mm-hmm. that get really is an opportunity. I've, you know, I've been really the, you know, I hate, I hate saying this. It's such, so used the lining that is silver of this <laughs> is that fact that the, that there is a lot of as bad as things can feel like they're getting that that's an opportunity to rise above the situation for any organization. So um, that's the, uh, the silver part that might line the, the negative right now. And so that's good to hear that the DRC is doing that. And I think that's what a lot of people forget about our local newspaper is that it's been around for 117 years. Name another organization that's been around for 117 years and didn't, you know, like mm-hmm. can't, can't name one actually might be the oldest institution here that still has a payroll, you know? Yeah. That's important. One thing. I, okay. Here's my checklist of things I want from the DRC. Okay. Let me take notes. Please take notes. Well, we are recording this. So we, we got that. We got audio notes. So I wish that there was a easier way to search past articles yes. or like the, the archive. Like I even feel like there you go to the keywords. I, I know articles are writ- written within the past five years mm-hmm. and they're just hard to find. I don't know why the search function. And then like you get anywhere past like five years and it's like, you got to go to Emily Fowler library and look on the microfiche machine. Yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty frustrating. That's probably number one is, uh, is just the ability to search and you, because imagine some nerd like me discover and Mike, Mike Cochran does a good job of this. Like he was pulling Mm -hmm. up, yeah, you know, but he he has time to go to the library and do all that the, yeah. all the research. I don't. Uh, but he was pulling up like these the articles in the DRC during the last pandemic. That's super valuable information to have because mm-hmm. the people who lived it they died recently. You know, in the past ten or twenty years, all the people who had to figure out the depression and the nineteen eighteen flu pandemic they're gone. We yeah. don't have that knowledge anymore, but we do have our paper. Like all that knowledge is in there. What, mm-hmm. what can we learn from the, these aren't like, I, I wanted to do that. I would love mm-hmm. to like pour through like, you know, what's going on. How do we learn from this? So that's probably number one, number two. And this is a list of 20. So great. <laughs> just kidding. Well, no, actually this is probably the only other, this is probably the only, well, no, no, there are three. I'll have three <laughs> points of three. Number two, and you hear this all the time, and mm-hmm. I know, I know, it's, I know you've heard this, and I know everyone complains. This is the barking. I hear it. it. Even it goads on me when I hear it. But, and I know you have the data to disprove what I'm about to say. Mm-hmm. But people in this community really do love the feel good stories. Like the the it feels and it. 
I, I get it. I totally understand. If, if it bleeds, it reads, is what Scott told me once or twice. But people really do love to see the feel-good stories. And it may be that they're there and people just don't read them, because I understand that, too. That is the answer, Glenn Ferris. I know. I know. I have a challenge for you, and it's, I have a challenge for anyone S- S- listening. Scott told me it was like sports, and then what was number two? I forgot what number two was. The weather page. The weather, yeah, but he's like in that order, and it's like exponentially decreasing after that. Like it's people people read about sports, especially high school football. For, but what's interesting is that's really changing in the metrics that we have now. There was all this traditional data, but as the traditional news product is going away, mm-hmm. um, people interact with things that you might not expect. Like what? Um, I think my favorite thing that happened was we had a very random spike in traffic um, a few weeks ago. Someone, if you Google, how expensive it is it to pool to build a pool in Denton? The first thing that pops up is an article from Matt Golke. <laughs> For Matt Golke Pools when he wrote a column explaining how expensive it is to buy a pool because city water parks are going to be closed and families <laughs> want to know if they can afford to build a pool this summer. That's so funny because a couple of Thousands weeks ago, of views. I had this conversation with people, like several conversations about, you know, we're thinking about building the pool. I wonder how, how do we figure out how much that would cost? And I'd be like, mm, probably Google it. That's hilarious. Mm-hmm. So, so people were looking at that article. Yeah. It's something that when it initially published, (laughs) didn't get a ton of traffic. And then as soon as this thing hit and people search it, this article from January, 2019 popped and people were like, yeah. And it's getting shared and talked about. I was probably sitting next to a guy that searched it and read it to me. Like, yeah. That's so funny. So, well, that's kind of cool because now you can react to that sort of traffic. Totally. So we were like, like, we need to do something about this and talk to pool companies and see how, you know, things are changing for our local families Um, now that it's different. So that's something that we're looking at now. Mm. So reader behavior is changing from the traditional, Mm -hmm. but um, I would say that, your question about the archives and the pandemic, we've had several articles on that mm-hmm. about from our archives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah mm-hmm. and I think my challenge to anybody would be, I think that it can get a little overwhelming with like trying to make sure that you click everything from our social or scrolling, doing an infinity scroll on like our news page. I would suggest anyone that has the time to just for one week, wake up. And before you look at social media, Look at the e-edition. Mm-hmm. See how things are organized. Skim through for five minutes every day for a week. Mm-hmm. And your perspective will shift. Mm. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Because you yeah. see everything right in front of you. And it's like, that's the value of the edition. It's like more clearly organized. Like the website is, um, as things are happening and developing, which is great, which is how a lot of people consume their news. And I'm really focused on bringing those readers in and nesting them in our website. Yeah. But I think that there's value in seeing how things are organized. And then that way, if you're not seeing things in your algorithm because people aren't sharing the feel-good stories, you're seeing that. Like we had, we've had lots of feel-good stories, I think, about how people are helping. We had an 
an entire series from a reporting class um, at UNT that was just looking at the helpers. So looking at people who have found ways to make masks or have found ways to still connect with like the cheerleading team and how you do dance now and a lot of different things about how life is different now. Mm -hmm. Um, But you see the helpers. Mm -hmm. Does it feel, well, okay, hang on. Before I ask that question, I don't even know if I'll ask that question. It's a dumb question. (laughs) I was going to say, are are you sick of just writing only about COVID? Because it's like, I'm on, I get, we kind of covered that. We're like, people are on COVID fatigue right now. People are about to be on protest fatigue. Yeah. Just like, there's got to be other things happening. Mm-hmm. There's got to be some other things. Um, okay. Item number three. So you got this new digital media, this new media push. Uh, have you ever considered having some sort of, local newsy interviewee type podcast on the the website or any, are you going to go into any sort of podcasting arenas because man the daily new york times daily that is legit it's one of my we listen to that over our coffee in the morning it's one of my favorite pieces uh and there, there are a couple that are really good some come out bi-weekly or mm-hmm. um are you gonna do anything cool and interesting like that and uh is is, is there an application process for it <laughs> i would say um there's discussions about everything right now we are in this transformative time and Bill is looking at it like we're a startup. Like we can just try things and see if it works. And if it doesn't work, we don't have to keep doing it. But as a locally owned, you know, media organization, we have the power to figure out what we want to do and what we want our future to look like. And so there's a lot of discussions right now about what are our next steps, um, especially now that we have bridged this transition to switching to print twice a week. Mm And some of the pressure is letting up. So it's, we're mm. definitely going to be looking at alternative story formats, audio, more video, and how can we have the best storytelling and treat each story the way that it will be presented best, whether it's, you know, a photo gallery or a long form piece or a series or a podcast mm-hmm. or whatever that looks like. And we need, I mean, we need that, that one of the, as critical as I've been about the paper, I always try to frame it with like, I'm critical because we need this to be really good for our, the health of our community. Mm-hmm. Name another small town of our size that has its own paper, independent newspaper. And we don't have that. There's media that comes out there. We have DTV, but people don't understand that's the city government, like it's state sponsored media, you know, like that is not the news. That is not what we need for a healthy discourse. We need the paper pushing the conversation in the right direction and the, for for the community, the independent direction, the, in the, the, the issues that matter to people who live here, you know, Mm -hmm. we desperately need it. So I'm, man, I'm excited about what direction y'all are headed. I think it's going to be really good to see you in this position at man. But that first 
couple of days were rough. <laughs> rough. Do you want to talk about any of that? <laughs> or do you want to... I'm getting the wave off. She's waving frantically. <laughs> no. Um, I mean, it was... A lot was happening. Yeah, just a lot was happening. A lot was happening, yeah. Um, and, you know, I think that, if anything, the past three months have sh- shown me that I've felt like I've been ready for leadership for a while, but mm-hmm. um, I feel like I was more prepared than I thought that I was and that yeah. I'm yeah. definitely more capable and have the right news judgment. So yeah, I'm more confident in what I'm doing now than I think that I was six eight months ago yeah well i'll tell you whenever someone gets into a new role and there's a little bit of i can't do this that if somebody if there's a little bit of you that says that or a big part of you that says i can't do this you're going to be a good one because if anyone who accepts a responsibility and is like i got this (laughs) that is not that's not who you want yeah it's not the person who's going to be good for other people like as cocky they know they got it all figured out they have all the answers if you feel that way you are not going to grow as a person you're not going to be open to other ideas you're not going to listen to people you're not going to take suggestions Mm -hmm. you're going to criticism is going to be it's going to hurt your ego so i would i would take that as a positive if you ever felt like overwhelmed by it it was like you couldn't do it like like that's good like take that as a positive yeah it was definitely a lot to be stepping in and it's like oh my god i'm sending my first push notification of my career and it's about you know a pandemic if this is very serious if i screw this up we look yeah awful this is like some of the most crucial information plus lives yeah really in the day yeah public health and safety could be lives yeah so yeah it was really overwhelming but um i'm glad that i just went all in yeah and got to so yeah so now we're just working on making these moderate changes to give everybody the best information and the best experience and meet people where they are at yeah to deliver them what they need to know yeah every failure is a lesson you know Mm -hmm. it's a lesson how how to not do that and I, i think that's interesting you mentioned you said the word leadership and I th- that's a, I never thought about it like that, but that's what it is. You're taking on, you got other people, excuse me. You got people looking at you as the, like, how do we, how do we go? Where do we go? Mm-hmm. How do we do this? What's, what's the culture? You know, uh, culture is so important. You know, that you, f- you find it in different offices, attorneys offices and, and even banks, there's a culture and it can be good or bad. And if it's good, it's great. If it's bad, or if, or if they don't think they need a culture, it's bad, you know? So, mm-hmm. uh, man, I would d- definitely encourage like that line of thinking, and you know, dig deep on what that means. And yeah, leadership, that's cool. That's awesome. Good for you. Thanks. It's fantastic. It's exciting times. It is exciting times. And and so my theory on, on all this, I told you. Yeah, you told me I, you had a theory. I have a theory. It's not really a theory. It's just sort of like, what is the world we're living in right now? The shutdown, there are two two things happen to you. There are two types of people. There are people who became overwhelmingly busy during the shutdown. And there are the people who were like, what do we do? And what like a lot of time on their hands. Uh, like over here, we became inc- we became incredibly busy. 
calling, checking on tenants, checking on landlords. There were new, like, okay, we need to research, like, you know, population-based risk assessment right now, which we don't know how to do that, but we need to learn. We need to figure out what the best moves for our folks are to make right now. And how do we predict an uncertain future? What can we count on here? We, we became very busy, too much work to even do. Um, and the, those people right now are seeing, I'm not seeing, but realizing the opportunity aspect of, of the bad times. And I think the newspapers in that, in, in that situation, you guys have opportunity in front of you. There's too much work to do. There are too many things to do right now because the world is changing so quickly and you're in a position where the world is changing, but you can see how the, the, the pennies are going to fall and make sense of it. And, and you can build on that. Mm-hmm. If you're not, if you're not busy, if you were a server, things are going to be real tough. Yeah. So the, the divide has gotten so, and it's a real easy divide. You were either busy during the shutdown or you were not busy. If you were not busy, it it's going to be tough because it's going to be tough to get into the, the position of like opportunity and where there's opportunity, there's great opportunity. Like people forget a lot of people made a lot of money during the depression. Yeah. A lot of people were in the soup kitchen line. I mean, it, it's, it's a horrible, horrible reality, but that's what we're going to be going through for the next 10 years. So uh, just something to think about. I don't know what sense to make, or if that's, helpful for anyone to think about it might be some bad news for folks but they were you know i I think you got to be real about where about what you're what you're facing before you can do good things for you and people around you so i hope hope it's hope that idea is helpful um you know it's hard to find positive these days you know it's it's pretty easy to be brought down by the world but the, to be brought down by the situation by the the power structure that you're in mm-hmm. and that, that's probably the hardest thing is the curtain that's been pulled away for a lot of people it didn't seem like that's what was going to be behind the curtain the fact that our our food supply lines are so fragile yeah that we can't keep toilet paper in stock in denton texas why is that that's a crazy thing to learn about how there are two supply lines their commercial supply lines for commercial buildings. Mm-hmm. That's a certain type of toilet paper. That's a certain factory. Yeah. Completely different factory than what you buy. And then we always had toilet paper here. <laughs> you couldn't buy it in Kroger, you know? Yeah. The, it, the, the curtain that's been pulled back has been interesting. And I think the people who are going to make the most of this situation are going to stare deeply into the fragility of our world and our structures. So I hope you do that for the Dent Record Chronicle. Yeah, I hope that we're able to do that in a meaningful way. Over a couple of bottles of wine, you oh, know. Gosh. So. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Was there anything else? Anything else you want to cover? Any any shout outs you want to make? You got a cute pupper. Shout shout out. Shout to, out. Um, <laughs> Oliver isn't going to listen to the podcast. So. I know, but we we're we're gonna post pictures of Oliver probably. Yeah, he is really cute. <laughs> he's cute. Um no, no shout outs. I'm good. You're good. Just subscribe to the Denton Record Chronicle. Our online subscriptions start at just 99 cents a week. What is it? DentonRC.com. DentonRC.com. And you can do subscribers all access. Awesome. How much is it? What's the... 
And let me pull it up. I know I said if you do the two-year subscription, it's um, as low as 99 cents a week. But let me do you pull accept, it up on our latest deals. Do you accept Bitcoin? No. Okay. But it's as low as 99 cents a week if you just do digital, which will give you full access to our website as well as the e-edition. A dollar a week. Seriously, less than a dollar a week. Yeah, less than a dollar a week. For... You get billed monthly. Professional journalism. So Professional journalism. So you're telling me four bucks a month. Four bucks a month. Like basically a latte. Yeah, and then also one thing that we have that's an option that I think is cool for students, um, we, or researchers of any kind, like you were saying, doing deep dives on the archives, if you really just want to get into one topic, you can just buy a day pass if you want. But I would encourage the subscriber all access. And if you're itching for like our legacy print product that comes out twice a week, because you really, I mean, I feel like it's like records in the 90s where it's just kind of yeah the retro thing to do. But so I've, that's, that's, that's what I've heard, a week. I've heard some people pretty angry. They like to sit down with a physical thing in their hand and and flip it and read it and not be around digital. Yeah. There's something to be said for that. Yeah. So that's where we're really encouraging our e-edition and what's been really interesting. Oh, because you're, it's, it pulls up on your device. As it pulls a, as up a, on your device a like a yeah. newspaper and it's interactive and the photos look a lot better. And if we embedded video in that story, it will play without you having to click around or see the flash advertising. It's, huh. it's really like a newspaper experience online. And um, as people transition to it, they've been pretty positive about it it's just getting over that initial hurdle and building a new routine which is hard yeah but you'll see even from our print publications when you get them on wednesday and saturday you'll and if you pull up the e-edition in the morning as well you'll be able to see multiple changes just because news is constantly evolving so and what's the uh i mean you guys still sell ads if i didn't want to add you can yeah like call them up hey digital ads yeah we do a million page views so yeah, a million page views a month almost. Yeah, that's I mean, huge. Not bad. For local, I mean. Yeah. Who else does that locally? Yeah, and then we also have Denton County Magazine, which just had a new issue come out. It's our home issue, which is more of um, a traditional like luxury magazine experience for Denton County. You're like shiny page. Oh, yeah, shiny yeah, yeah. page, really beautifully produced. Uh, that's cool. That's so awesome. we also have links to subscribe to that magazine, which is a good like coffee table magazine. Yeah, good for the office. Mm-hmm, good to have in the front office. So, okay, I got number four. I've thought of my fourth thing. Number four. Bring it. Number four. So online, there's the article, and then you can comment as a Facebook user. Mm-hmm. Nix that. Get rid of that. Got to get rid of it. Because no one comment. The only It's always like spam. It's very spammy. spammy. And no one really comments on it. Mm-hmm. People go to the people. Just keep it on Facebook. Uh, yeah, I would do away with that, but that's just me. That's interesting feedback. Yeah. yeah, it just seems unnecessary. And it's like you're hoping for a dumpster fire like on the nose, like right there almost. Because, I mean, let's face it, Facebook, it, it, sh- it should be on the outs with any. I mean, people need to put Facebook in its proper bucket of, okay, it's like, uh, Vanderpump Rules, Real Housewives, Facebook. It's 
that's where in my head that's where that media is right it's trash yeah. media it's mm -hmm. you know i just i can't yeah well it's got Facebook its place is, but it's a cesspool yeah know? and it's toxic too and i think contributing toxic. to how there's all this misinformation and things like that right because yeah. people are getting their news from their algorithms not from yeah and it's not from the newspaper yeah and let's like uh, a lie will make it halfway around the world before the truth gets the pants on mm -hmm. and we're seeing that times a billion right now so take it take it for what it is i'm on there because it's a great place for the podcast to be it's a good way to promote but i mean yeah, it's what a cesspool that's time wasted what yep. a time suck but the newspaper not a time suck the e-edition i'm gonna check it out yeah. yeah i think it's a really cool experience that a lot of people didn't realize that we had before yeah um so yeah we're we're adapting and changing and here to cover news as it happens you want to check it out and then they can use the the print version for the with the lining of your rabbit cage or totally the, the bird it. cage. <laughs> well, Jenna. The newsprint is still useful. <laughs> still useful. Still useful. Thanks so much for coming on. It, it's been, I've been trying to get you on since I started this. And you're yeah, like, I no, know. no, I'm a journalist. And then all this happens. And I'm like, hey, I see editor next to your name now. So, yeah, come on. So, thank you so much for making forced time. Forced my hand. I forced your hand. We got to get Sean on. Yeah. Sean would be great. I love Sean. Sean's great. We haven't had lunch in a while, but uh, appreciate him. And then Bill. Got to get Bill on. That'd be fascinating. That family history. Mm -hmm. Would love to hear about. So, if you guys are yeah, listening. Yeah, Bill has really cool stories. So. Yeah, yeah. Patterson. Patterson Appleton, man. That's pillars of the community right there. So, that's awesome. Well, thank you again for coming on. Uh, say hi to Oliver for me. Give him my love. I will. And uh, and Mikey, right? So say hi to Mikey. I miss you guys. Um, and we'll yeah. be allowed to have friends again one day, someday. And you got to see our little guy. I know. I need to meet Dylan. He's adorable. He's awesome. We'll bring him by sometime. So cute. Thank you so much. It's been great. Of course. Gotta love Jenna Duncan. One of my favorite people in this town that is a conversation that could have gone on for several episodes uh, next time we're definitely gonna have to do it over uh you know a couple of bottles of wine that'd be fun we'll do the annotated gin and duncan raw i don't know anyways thanks for listening we'll see you next week